verse number 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Just want to use this thought today. Stand. Stand. Tell your neighbor, stand. Yeah, You've got to stand. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. I thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Have your way now. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand. Stand. One of the things that we can learn from the early disciples, the early apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, was that they did not compromise their position. Once they had met the resurrected Christ, once they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was the Messiah, they knew because they experienced him for themselves. It wasn't what somebody told them, but they experienced the Lord for themselves. They saw the resurrected Jesus. They they saw him eat the bread and eat the fish. So we were talking in our class this morning. Sister Trachelia said that the Lord revealed to her as she watched the show the other night that God didn't, that Jesus didn't have to eat. He didn't do it for him, he did it for them. He wanted them to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was a resurrected Messiah, resurrected in flesh and blood. Peter could put his hands in the Lord's hand. He could thrust his hand in his side. God had raised Jesus physically and eternally from the dead. So once they, once they got this revelation, once they knew, once they saw him for themselves, and, and I'll say to you again that if you've not had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, then that's what you ought to be seeking. You ought to want to know the Lord for yourself. You, you ought to want the Lord to reveal himself to you. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You got to want to know him. Lord, I, Lord, I want to know you. I, I heard about you. I believe that, 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 that you were raised from the dead, but I, I, I just want to experience you for myself. Yeah, yeah. God will show himself to you. The Lord will show himself to you. So they, they, they would not compromise. They, they, they would not back down uh, from their position in Christ. They would not stop preaching the gospel. And, and, and they, were, they had every reason in the world uh, not to stand for Christ because, the, you know, according to man's standard, because, you know, they were not liked by many in the Jewish faith. In fact, they were hated. Um, their lives were at risk, but they could not back down from that position. They were convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that God had raised Jesus from the dead. So their position was to stand, and because they did, God did powerful things in their lives. Because they stood, God did powerful things in their lives. Now, in standing, they had to come to grips with some things. They had to come to grips with the fact that standing for Christ endangered their lives. Were they willing to take on more persecution and possibly risk losing their lives standing for Christ? Were they willing to risk losing family and friends? Were they willing to risk being ridiculed by the larger society? There were a lot of things that, that they had to consider. Were they willing to lose all of their possessions to stand for Christ? And of course, we know that the answer was yes, because they stood. They were convinced 
that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, and that nothing would stop them from and, and nothing would stop them from standing for him. And this is this is the example that they left for us. Because in every generation, genuine believers in Christ have to take a stand for Jesus Christ. Taking a stand for Christ means taking a stand for righteousness. Taking a stand for Christ does not just mean I believe Jesus was raised from the dead. Taking a stand for Christ means I take a stand for his standard. I take a stand for his word. I take a stand for who he is and for what he's taught us. So in our generation, it's no different. If we would truly be Christ with, apost with an apostrophe S, and we will truly be Christians, and we will truly belong to him, then we're going to be at odds with our culture. Are you hearing me? If we're going to be, if we're going to belong to Jesus, and we're going to stand for him, we're going to be at odds with the culture. Because the prevailing culture of most societies in the world does not honor God. Remember, Jesus said, straight is the gate. And what? Narrow is the way that leads unto life. And how many? Few there be that find it. So when we look at the world, it's important for us to see and know that you can't follow the world's standards because of the world's culture because that culture is not going to be like Christ. And if I'm going to take a stand for Christ, I'm going to be at odds with the culture. So people in the culture are not going to like me. They're not going to like you. But it has to be all right with you. Are you hearing me? It has to be all right if everybody doesn't like you. It even has to be all right if there's some who, quote unquote, in the church don't like you. As long as Christ is pleased with the stand, now I'm not, I'm not talking about an ignorant stand. I'm talking about, you know, that, that you know what you're talking about. You know, you, you know this word, you know. You know the standards of the Lord. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about you condemning people because they're wearing long, they're wearing short dresses. And you want them to wear dresses down to the ankle. I'm not talking about you condemning folk because they're wearing makeup and they're wearing earrings. I'm not talking about that. There are some greater issues than the way you dress. Yeah, yeah. But, but you, it has to be all right that that the culture, the prevailing culture, doesn't like us. We, we really should not try to be friends with everybody. Are you understanding me? And, and sometimes that's difficult, especially when you're young. You know, it gets a little bit easier as you get older. You know, you don't have to be friends with everybody. But when you're young, you kind of want people to like you. You know, but, but you got to get past that. Because if you're a friend with the world, you're an enemy of God. And that's what the Bible says. And remember, God says, I will be exalted among the heathens. I will be exalted in the earth. So, so God is not concerned about whether people don't like him. He's God in spite of what people say. You know, nobody can take away from God being God. He wants everybody to come to him, but, but he's going to be God if people don't come to him. You remember when, when the people were praising Jesus and, and they tried to stop him, and Jesus said, oh, no, let them praise me, because if these don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. Now, if he has the power to make the rocks cry out and praise him, he has the power to even create new people who will praise him. Are you following me? Sometimes we're really too concerned about what the world says. And we start backing off 
because of what the world says, but we got to be able to stand for Christ. Let me talk a little bit more about being at odds with the culture. And, and bear with me, if you will. The scripture says that we were strangers and foreigners to the covenant of Israel. And we were strangers to the covenant, and we were foreigners to the covenant, that meant that we were naturalized citizens of the world. So let's flip this thing around. So now, let's become strangers to the world and become citizens of the kingdom of God. You can't be both. I told you a little while ago, years ago, I thought about becoming a dual citizen of Liberia in the United States and found out that if I became a citizen of Liberia, I would have to denounce, renounce my citizenship of the United States. I said, oh, no, I'm not going to denounce and renounce my citizenship. No, I got, I got more protection in the United States. I got more, I got more benefits in the United States. You know, I'm not going to, no. So God is not looking for people who want to have dual citizenship in his kingdom, in the kingdom of the world. Because remember, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. So, so you're either going to be for Christ are you going to be against Christ? To be for Christ again, and we have to get this right. When I say I'm for Christ, that means I'm for his standard. I'm for his will and his way. As has been revealed in the Holy Scriptures. Not as has been challenged by Good Morning America, or Oprah Winfrey, or... Dr. Phil, or Ellen that, that degenerated. Because, no, I'm sorry, that was wrong. Degenerate is her name. Well, it's close to degenerated. Yeah, I don't mean to do that. I, I apologize, because we, we, we should never laugh at people who've made bad choices in their lives. We can't win people if we're going to mock them. Yeah, but I apologize for that. Lord, forgive me. Yeah. We are chosen generation. We are royal priesthood. We are a peculiar people. We are a chosen generation. Chosen, holy, royal, peculiar. We've been called out of darkness. And when the scripture talks about darkness, it's not talking about natural darkness. It's talking about spiritual darkness. We've been called out of darkness and we've been brought into the light of the Lord. So if that be the case then, Light and darkness cannot cohabitate. Cohabitate. They cannot live together. So if, if we're going to be light, we're not going to be darkness. We are at odds with the prevailing culture of our time. Colossians 3 and 1 says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things that are above, for Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind... Set your will, then set your mind on things above, not on the earth. If you die and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, if you died, there are a couple of things in the scripture. Your will and your mind has to be set on things above in Christ, not on the things of this world. You know, and then you have to have died to yourself. I, I, I keep wondering, 
I keep wondering how is it that a that a child who who has never enjoyed the pleasure of a wholesome sexual relationship in marriage, how can a child say that they are gay when they don't even know? They don't have any, they don't know what a wholesome sexual relationship is. When you're children, you don't really understand love. I mean, you, you know, so, so little boys can say, I, I love that person, but they don't, they're not talking sexuality. But when the world starts mixing in their philosophy, and when a person starts having experiences, when they're not old enough to discern, and I know this is a delicate subject, so I'm taking my time. When they're not old enough to discern what they really, really like. So here you got 9, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds who should not be sexually active anyway. Making choices and doing things and, 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 and trying things. and Then they have been bolstered by the world to say this is the way you are and you embrace your sexual identity. This child does not know. This child does not understand. So what's going to happen when they become 19, 20, 21, and they're ready to, and now they're having, they want to be in a relationship with the opposite sex because of their minds should have been geared toward getting married and having children and being a parent and settling down. But the world has done so much damage to the psyches of the people of the time. Now, I have not sat down and, 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 and thought all of this through, so I'm just, as, a, as I sense the leading of the Spirit to, to, to speak about this, because this deals with us standing in today's society. So, 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 so the world has already shaped them and put them in, in, in a mode of operation that it's going to be hard for them to break away from. It's real difficult for them to, 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 to break away from because they've been They've been molded in a way. And, you know, we're, we used to have to worry about child molestation, and that's, that's still an issue. But, but now we're having to worry about children trying to, well, trying to hit on other children. Not just adults that are trying to molest children, but because the psyche of, of children have has been dwarfs so by the world that we're having to be concerned about children hitting on other children. And sometimes I listen to people talk and they're, 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 they're talking about this stuff about just accepting people the way they are. And, and I'm saying to myself, so you want your child to be raised heterosexual, but you're saying it's all right for people to be homosexual, and so it's all right for them to to profess their beliefs and live out their beliefs. So what happens when that person hits on your child? What are you going to do? What happens when that person touches your child and come home and tell you about it, and now you're ready to kill somebody? People, is not, people have not thought this out thoroughly, and the world is not going to follow 
the Lord's standard. The world is going to follow the way the world thinks that does not want to challenge anything. You know, so, you know, we talk about the sexual revolution in the 60s and people just got free. I mean, folk just, they're just free. They just you do what you want to do, where you want to do it, when you want to do it. And did not consider that we were going to come to this point in the history of man. Now, now study history. Study history. At any time, a nation has become as wicked and perverted as the United States of America has become, they've been destroyed by other nations. Just study history. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe the Lord that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach unto any people. And it's not just homosexuality. It's just that we've, we, we, we're becoming so much like Europe where we've kind of cast off all restraints and we've embraced paganism again. God is calling us to, to know righteousness and take a stand for him. So then, if I'm going to take a stand for the Lord in the scripture, uh, listen to what the scripture says in Colossians chapter 3. Um, as I was reading earlier, in verse 5 it says, Put to death, therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality. So how do you, how do you define sexual immorality? Sexual immorality is any type of sexual activity that is outside of the marital relationship. So how do you define marriage then? Marriage, according to God, is a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto a wife, and the two of them shall become one flesh. Marriage, according to what the scripture teaches us, is between a man and a woman. So anything outside of that, according to the scripture, is sexual immorality. And the scripture says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Why do you think that the scripture, the first thing that it says here is sexual immorality? It doesn't say first lying, cheating, stealing, but sexual immorality, impurity, lust evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathens. I will be exalted in the earth. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So, so Paul is acknowledging that the people at Coloss used to live this way. You used to live this way. But now, but now, you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. So you've got to rid yourself of that. But there are also other things. Anger, rage, malice slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to one another. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, Slave or free, but Christ is all in all. That gives us a picture here of what we must do. Are we following me? We're listening. Yeah, yeah. But let me, let me, let me just kind of like break this down just a little bit more. I'll be finished in a few minutes. And talk about this standing. So if I'm going to stand, talking about putting to death uh, the works of the flesh, all right, the first thing that the Lord gave me as I was writing this message was bring our wills into subjection to his will. 
God's will must be supreme. With the early disciples, with the early apostles, they had grown beyond their own wills. At this point in their lives, it was no longer what they wanted. What's the issue with people today? I want to do what I want to do. You can't tell me I'm wrong because this is my life. It's my body, but it's not really your body because you didn't create it. You didn't pay one dime for it. It's not really yours. Okay? So, so we have to come to the point where God's will is supreme in our lives. After all that the early disciples had seen and heard, they weren't concerned about whether the Sanhedrin was going to put them to death. They were not concerned about whether the Sanhedrin or the Roman authorities believed in them or accepted what they were teaching or preaching. They knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ was Lord. So it was not a matter of self-preservation. They didn't have a will to preserve. They were sold out to the Lord. Part of the problem with a lot of us today is that we're not sold out to the Lord. We say we're sold out, but we're not really sold out to the Lord. But in order for us to stand in the midst of a perverse nation, in the midst of a pagan culture, because this, this, this culture, this is not the first time that this has happened in history, what we're seeing in America. Not the first time. I have a book in my office. Uh, we use it in seminary. And, um, well, and actually in my doctoral program uh, in one of the classes, and it was talking about homosexuality in the time of Paul. And it talked about how Greek men would, up to a certain age, up to age 18, they would have a lover. They'd have a male lover. A pagan culture. A pagan culture. So this is not the first time that this has happened. Didn't Solomon say there's nothing? What? Nothing new under the sun. So this is not a novelty. This is, this, is not, this is not novelty that's happening in the world today. Y'all got to understand this. We, we have to understand this. You know, this is a repeat of what has been taking place in the history of mankind. Why do you think there are prohibitions against it in Scripture? Because it's not new. Do we know the prohibitions in Scripture? Is anybody in the house today? Anyway, so let me kind of soften this up a little bit. God didn't create me to live my life for myself. See, I told you that, that was softening it up a little bit. He didn't create me to satisfy myself. Okay. He did not create me to fulfill my own desires. Now, if I'm born in sin, if I have been shaped in iniquity, I've got a whole different understanding of that scripture after I find out some things about David, but it still, still fits, the, fits the case. All right? If I've been, if, if I've been, if I was shaped... If in sin my mother conceived me, then I'm born with a sinful nature. I come into this world, and we see it in little children, where they want to satisfy themselves. They want what they want when they want it, and when they don't get it, they, they do what? Cry. Not only will they cry, but they will holler and scream, and they will kick. They'll fall out on the floor. Won't they do it? Until parents bring them in line. Now, our parents, they brought us in line. Young parents, I think some, some of us scared to, scared to pop our children. We, we bought in the, in the philosophy of the largest society to say, if you whip your child, you're going to create a, a, a mental block or something like that. Something they say. I know a whole lot of people been whipped. They don't have any mental blocks. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Carlson. <laughs> so, so God created me, 
and God, 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 God says, I've got to bring my will in line with his will if I want to be a part of him. Now, that's the big thing, if I want to be a part of him. What do you want to be a part of? I, I just don't understand why people are trying to force the church to do what they want to force the church to do. If that's the lifestyle you choose, then go, you, that's what you chose. But don't force it on anybody else. You know, don't, don't, don't force it. Don't say, well, the church can't, the church is not discriminating. The church is standing on the word of God. If you, so then you're saying that God is discriminating. No, you have chosen a way that is contrary to the will of God as revealed in Scripture, which is the authority of the church. It will not change. Whatever you do, it will not change. So so I've got to submit my will to the will of the Heavenly Father. The disciples, are, are, are we listening? Got your antennas up. You're receiving. The disciples had to, and once they submitted their wills to the will of God, and, and let me tell you, being filled with the Holy Ghost helped them out a whole, whole lot. Are you hearing me? That's what I said last Sunday. We cannot uh, uh, minimize the, the, the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We know we can we go around here and say, well, I'm a part of the church. So I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You better know that you've been filled. You better know that the power of God resides in your life because that's going to give you the courage to stand. It is the power of God that, that gave them. When Once they got filled with the Holy Ghost, it did not matter. It did not matter if they were beaten. It not, Peter was crucified upside down. Uh, others were beheaded. I mean, I mean, people were drawn and quartered, and they counted it an honor. Read Hebrews. They counted it an honor to give their lives for the Lord. I was thinking about this the other day, and I thought about Revelation chapter 12, and as it, talked about, as it talks about how they overcome, uh, how Satan goes before God day and night and accuses the brethren. And it says, and they uh, overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives even unto death. So if you are thinking about self-preservation, you won't stand. Self-preservation, even before it comes to the point of somebody saying, deny Jesus or I'll kill you. Self-preservation comes when somebody says, accept my philosophy or I will not be your friend. Accept my philosophy or I'm going to ostracize you. Accept my philosophy or you're going to go to jail. You got to surrender your will to the will of the Heavenly Father. And, 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 and they stood, and, and this ties into what I just said, they stood in the power of the resurrected Christ. They, 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 they did not do any of what they did in their own strength, nor their own willpower. We cannot do any of this in our own strength. We cannot do it. But in the strength of the Holy Ghost, in the power of the Most High God, knowing that we do serve the resurrected Christ, we'll be empowered to stand. What did Jesus tell his disciples? You shall receive power, dunamis, might, strength. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then you shall be witnesses unto me. Witnesses unto me does not always mean standing up and telling people Jesus Christ is Lord. Witnesses unto me means that I will defend the faith. Witnesses unto me means I will say what God has said. Witnesses unto me means I will take the standard of the Lord and that's what I will espouse. That's what I will teach. That's what I will preach to people when I go. You can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we wonder why the church is not doing more. It's because we're afraid of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Or we've minimized him, we minimize him to a dance and a shout. He is the person of God. And he is the power of God in the lives of every believer. 
not only did they stand in, not only were their wills submitted, and all of this kind of ties together, were their wills submitted, are y'all still here? I, I'm not preaching this the way I thought I would preach it, but I hope you're listening. Not only did they stand uh, with their will submitted to the will of the Father, and we cannot minimize that. I've got to reiterate that because sometimes our wills are not submitted. We're in the church, but we're not submitted. We still do what we want to do. So we got to stop that because we need to be strengthened in our inner man. So we have to stop doing what we want to do. It can no longer be my will. It has to be the will of, of God. And we have to be filled with the Holy Ghost the power of the resurrected Christ. He lives. Think about this now. Think about this. When the Hebrew boys were in the fiery furnace and those men looked in there and they saw four. Who was the fourth person in there? Sometimes we don't want to put, y'all was, was scared to say it. Sometimes we don't want to put Jesus in the Old Testament, but he is in the Godhead. He is co-creator with God. So when they looked in the fiery furnace, they saw Jesus. When you're in trouble, when you have to stand for Christ, and it seemed like everybody else is against you, and it seemed like nobody likes you, and you, you're in the heat of the battle, and you're standing for your faith, and you're talking, and you're standing, and you're defending your faith, Jesus will come and stand by you. He'll, he'll stand there with you. He's already standing up in you in the Holy Ghost. But his person will come and stand beside you and give you the power and the might to say what you need to say. There's no need for us to be afraid. There's no need for us to fear for our lives. There is no need for us to fear about what people will say about us or against us because the Lord Jesus Christ is alive. He is the resurrected Christ. Just because he's seated at the right hand of God does not mean that he's confined to the throne. He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. If he needs to come and stand up in your situation, he'll come and stand up in your situation. Are you understanding? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, you'll be, people will try to back you down. I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and I don't know who I was talking to. Oh, I know who I was talking to now. <laughs> but um, he said that he decided, people, people say whatever they want to say in this presence, so he decided, I'm going to say what I got to say in that presence too. And I'm going to tell them, talk to them about the Lord. And that's what we got to decide. Folk come cussing in your presence, you start, oh, no, 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 no. I, I don't talk like that. But let me tell you about Jesus. Amen. You don't have to accept everything. Nor do you have to accept everybody. You stand in the power of the resurrected Christ. The Bible says, God says, come out from among them and be ye separate, said the Lord. So you got some friends that want to espouse a way that's not of God. And they want to challenge you. You know the best thing to do? Leave them alone. Just leave them alone. You don't have to be their friends. The Bible says you don't cast pearl among swine. You're up there, you're trying to tell them the word of God. They don't want to hear the word of God. They don't want to abide by the word of God. The Bible says they are swine. And if you cast in the word of God among them, the word is pearls. And when you put pearls in a pig pen, the only thing the pig is going to do, because it does not know the value of the pearls, the pig will mash the pearls down in the mud. Do you see? Trying to be friends with people. Don't, uh uh. You don't have to be friends with people. Not everybody. Jesus said, My mother, my father, my brother, my sister are the ones that do the will of the Heavenly Father. So sometimes it might mean separating yourself from family. You can't love your family so much that you got to be stuck up under them all the time. You can't love your family so much that you got to back down because they don't agree with what you say. 
They come, oh, here come old Trevor. <laughs> Trevor said, yeah, I'm coming. You don't like it? Just go on about your business. Come back when I'm gone. Are you understanding me? And that's, oh, here come that holy roller. No people been over there under Bishop Jackson. He's been teaching all that stuff. They even go to church when the folk die. They got to go to church on Sunday. They can't stay at home. Amen. Glory to God. I know some of y'all saying, I'm going to stay at home anyhow. But. Glory. Hallelujah. Then you got to stand on the word of God. You cannot stand on what, what people say. These disciples were able to stand because they knew the word of God. They had sat under the master's teaching. That's why you cannot come here and take this lightly. More folk ought to be taking notes. More people ought to be buying the CD. More people ought to be re re rehearsing this in their mind and going back and studying the scripture. Well, I want to see. I believe my pastor, but I want to see if each what he told me was the truth. That's going to undergird this word in your life. When you go back and study it, because in the, in the time of crisis, you may not be able to find the scripture in the Bible. You might not even have a Bible with you, but you got to know the word. You got to know the word. Now, you think about these men, even though they were Galileans, uh, yeah, Galileans, the Galileans were also Judeans. They were also Jewish people. So these boys have been raised knowing the faith. Then they came to Jesus, and they learned of Jesus. And then they got filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost brought back to their remembrance the things that they had seen and heard. Are you with me? Isn't that what John 14 and 6 said? But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So when they stood, they spoke the word of God. Remember Peter on the day of Pentecost? They said, these people are drunk. Peter said, oh, no, they're not drunk. This is that which was spoken of by Joel the prophet. He didn't go off and say what people said. You cannot defend the faith by telling them my pastor said. You got to know the word for yourself. They declared that Jesus was the stone that the builders rejected. They declared that there was salvation in none other. They stood on the word of God. That's what Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness. You know the, you know the situation. Satan came to him to tempt him. Jesus stood on the word of God. And if you're going to stand in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation of people, you've got to stand on the word of God, in the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, people will trip you up. People will start talking to you about what they experience and what they feel. And see, some of us already messed up because we're, we're, we're dipping and dabbling in the spirit realm. We're reading the horoscopes. We're reading our, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We got our birthstone rings, and we know what the ring says about our, our birth and what we're supposed to be. We're dealing in astrology. Are you hearing me? We're already dipping and dabbling in a spirit realm that's not the Holy Spirit realm. I'm just trying to bring us to the knowledge of the truth. You know? And we're believing in witchcraft and we're, we're practicing stuff at home and practicing stuff on people. Mm. Yeah, we've been watching Harry Potter and we've been playing seances and stuff. Some of us been children have been trying to ride brooms. <laughs> so we have to rid our minds and our psyches of all of this stuff and we have to get rooted and grounded in the word of God. 
That's what we got to do, saints. We got to become students of the word. You got to become students of the word. You cannot just deal with what I preach to you on Sunday morning. I only have about a couple of hours on Sunday. I try to use all of it. <laughs> but you got 166 more hours during the week to be rooted and grounded in this word so that you know the truth and stand on the word of God. Lastly, and I, and I know we got to go. I intended to have been out of here and gone by now. Let me wrap this up. Let me, let me go to Ephesians chapter 6. Because Paul talks about this and uh, talks about us standing. And you can go there with me if you want to. So finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not in your own strength. Not in your own power. Put on the whole armor of the full armor of God. That what? So that you can take your stand, this is NIV, against the devil's schemes. Against the wiles of the devil. So what does Satan come to do? How does he do it? Through his schemes and his plans. He is a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a murderer. Jesus said he's the father of lies. Here, lies originate from him. You cannot expect anything from Satan but a lie. If he tells the truth, it's going to be for the purpose of bringing snaring you with a lie. You cannot believe him. And you have to realize that this world system, Satan is the prince and the power of the air. We have to realize that this world system is run by Satan. We got to realize this. So God says, if you're going to stand, you got to be clothed in the full armor. What's the full armor? Well, first of all, it says here, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Sometimes we think that the other person is our, is our problem, but the other person is not really our problem. That person has been influenced by Satan. Can you recognize when a person has been influenced by the devil? Do you have the spirit of discernment to discern when someone has been influenced by Satan and they're espousing a philosophy that's not according to the scriptures, which is our standard. So we'll come to church and, you know, we're just doing the church thing. But it's more than the church thing. We need God for more than just getting healed. We need God for more than just a financial blessing. We need God for more than finding a husband or a wife. We need God so that we can live in righteousness and holiness and so that when our time comes to stand before God in judgment, we can hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. So God says, put on the whole armor so that you, you, your, your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, listen, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So what's going on in the earth realm is being manifested, and what's going on in the heavenly realm is being manifested in the earth realm. Not just through us being filled with the Holy Ghost and laying hands on the sick, but Satan is manifesting his evilness in the earth realm. We got to recognize it for what it is. Put on the whole armor. So that you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything else, stand. See, when you've done everything you can do, that's when the Holy Ghost has come standing up in you and Jesus standing beside you. And you're not, you don't have to worry about anything else. You just stand and watch God vindicate you. Watch God. Watch God. Prove that what you said was the truth. It may not happen right away, but it's going to happen. God's going to vindicate his church. 
He's going to vindicate his church. Judgment shall begin at the house of God. If the righteous scarcely, do y'all believe that? The righteous will scarcely make, do you know what scarcely make it in means? The door is closing. The door is just about shut. And here you are running to get into the door. Your, 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 your shirt get caught and you tear the shirt off. I just want to get in. Scarcely. This is no plaything. God says, I will be exalted among the heathens. I will be exalted in the earth. God's going to be exalted. So he says to us, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the belt of truth around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness. Truth, righteousness, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace, okay, the shield of faith. So you can extinguish all of the darts of the enemy that are being shot at you. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit and prayer. Close yourself in the full armor of God, and you'll stand. You'll stand. These disciples were clothed in the full armor of God. They stood, not in their own will, but in the will of the Heavenly Father. They stood in the power of the resurrected Christ. They brought their wills in subjection to the will of God. They stood on the word of God. They wouldn't back down. So you're going to beat us. Beat us. We can't help but speak the things that we've seen and heard. You're going to throw us in jail. Throw us in jail. We can't help but speak the things we've seen and heard. You're going to behead us. Behead us. We can't help but speak the things we've seen and heard. You're going to draw and quarter us. I'd rather die for Christ than to deny him. Because if I die for him, I'll live eternally with him. If I deny him, I will live eternally in hell. Let's stand. I didn't intend to take this long.